And I had the privilege uh, a year this, this past year of going to Israel on a trip, and the doctor that helped do my surgery had gotten converted, and he said, I want to go with you, and I want you to baptize me in the Jordan. And I had that privilege, and I'm thankful for that. But my wife, as the doctor was leaving, one of the doctors, one of the associates, was leaving yesterday after checking her, she said, now, I'll not see you next week because I'm going to Oregon. And I said, why are you going to Oregon? She said, I've got to go for a conference. But, she says, I now have located where you are in Bar's Mills. I will come and visit you there. And I said, it's because of my wife's witness to her that this doctor is interested enough to come uh, she came to a tractor pull, and I said, tractor pull? Why didn't you go to church? <laughs> she said, well, I wasn't sure which one it was. So I, I made sure she understood where it was. So uh, it's amazing what, what you can do if you just simply open yourself to it. I reminded the little girl, you know, that uh, went to the doctor, and uh, the pediatrician put her up in the chair and began to check her. She's a little lady. And he looked in her ear, and as he looked in her ear, she was a little bit nervous about that. As he looked in her ear, the little, he said to her, maybe I'll see Big Bird in there. And she didn't respond. So he began and a little further, and he opened up her mouth, said, open real wide. And as he was looking down her throat, he says, maybe I'll see Cookie Monster. She still didn't respond. He took out his stethoscope and began to listen to her heart. Their lungs. He said, do you suppose I might hear Barney in there? She said, oh, no. You might hear Jesus. Barney's on my underwear. <laughs> Leave it to little kids. That's the way kids believe. You know? Uh, it's uh, it's kind of like the, the, the mother, you know. Uh, I had a fellow one time that got saved and, and made a confession. He said... You know, every time you preach and everything, something happened. He said, I'd get under conviction about that time of the service. And he said, I'd pinch the little guy. And he'd start screaming and crying, and I'd pick him up. And finally, he said, one day, he said, my wife had him in the nursery, and I couldn't get away from the Spirit of God dealing with me, and he got saved. He come to tell me about it. I said, you need to tell your son. He's the one that got pinched. <laughs> you know? But you know that happens. There's a woman sitting in the back with her child, sitting in a back pew, and all of a sudden in the middle of the service when everything was quiet, he whistled. She pinched him and shut him up. Gone out, she said, why in the world, Jerry, would you do that? He said, Mom, I've been praying for months for God to teach me how to whistle. He just had to do it then. <laughs> but you know... Sometimes kids can enlighten us in things. And this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your identity. Who are you? Do you know who you are? Do you realize who you are? And have you lost your identity? In John's Gospel, in 1 John, chapter number 3, let me give you, let me give you a text. 1 John, chapter 3. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. 
The reason the world does not know us is that they didn't know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has a hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. I know who I am this morning. And I'm not thinking of a social security number. I'm not thinking about what the IRS or what anybody else wants to call me. I want to tell you one thing. I know I am a child of God. If you don't know that, my friend, you need to find out. You need to dig into it. Well, you know what the Bible teaches us? If we're not careful, we can lose our identity. James put it in these words, in, or Peter, Peter put it in these words in 5 verse number 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil patrols around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. The devil will tell you that you are this or you are that. My friend, I want to tell you, no matter what the devil tells me, I want you to know, I know the day and the hour. I know what happened in my life when I became lavishly covered with the blood and the love of Jesus Christ. I became His Son. I became a child of God. That's who I am. Not who I'm going to be out there in the future. Here people say, well, I hope when Jesus comes, I hope when I die. Let me tell you something. If you don't know it here, it ain't going to help you out there. You've got to know now. So I want to ask the question this morning, are you a victim of identity theft? You know, I think about this because in the world today, have you ever been a victim of identity theft? You know, a recent study that I read found that 15.4 million people in the United States are victims of identity theft. In the past six years, identity theft thieves have taken more than 1.7 billion, with a B, dollars from people like you and me. What is identity theft? You ever stop to think about it? We hear about it all the time. We see it on TV. Identity theft happens when someone uses your information without permission. When they use your permission, without your permission, you could use your name, your address, your credit card, your bank account, your social security, even your medical insurance numbers to harm you. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, several ways can be used to steal. Many of them, they, there's one thing they call shoulder surfing. And when I read that, I began to think, what in the world is that? And they said, it's where somebody stands and watches you over your shoulder or watches from a distance and watches you punch in your AMT card. Or it may be somebody that watches you over your shoulder as you punch in your PIN number from your credit card. You see, these are ways that people get these and then they begin to use them and they steal from you and use your identity. And I thought, how terrible that is. If you receive an application prepaid 
you know, pre-approved for a credit card, if you don't shred that thing and it gets in the hands of the wrong person, even the trash dealer, he can take that and fill it out in your name and create a problem for you that you have to prove you didn't do. You see, because identity that happens. Many people today respond to unsolicited emails. And many of those emails, some of them have benefits, will say to you, in order for you to get this benefit, you need to give us a little bit of information. And the moment you give that information out, they've got you. And so, but again, to think about all of that, I thought, what a terrible thing it is to have your identity theft could happen to all, any one of us. And what a terrible thing it would be for it to happen. But I'm not here to talk about your credit card. I'm not here to talk about your loans. I'm not talking about your bank account. I want to talk about your spiritual identity. You see, because there are people today that spiritually have been deceived and the devil has taken their joy, he has taken away what they one time felt because he has stolen their identity. He's made them think there's something else. I believe the most tragic thing that can happen to any human being is to lose his or her identity. And so our lesson today from John says that it takes a, it talks about our spiritual identity. He said, see what great love the Father has lavishly put upon us. You know what that word Lazarus, that means he puts so much on us that, 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 you know what, we just say, man, I would love to have. You know, I've had people say that. I've, I've had people say, boy, you know, I, I've gone places, hold meetings, and for me, what kind of pie do you like? A lot of people say hot and cold, hot or cold. But you know what I say? I like lemon pie. You know something, before I leave that revival meeting, I have seven different kinds of lemon pie. And I didn't know you can make so many different kinds. But you know what? I'd eat that pie. One time I was over in Gallipolis and had a meeting and, and went down to Bob Evans and they had this chocolate silk pie. And this woman said to me, you preacher, you've got to have that. I said, honey, I can't eat that and preach. I, I've got, I can't eat all of that. You just fed me and I can't eat that. So they bought me a whole pie. I took that thing back to the motel. I'm going to tell you something. I come in that night, I thought i got to eat a piece of this pie. She's going to ask me about it tomorrow. So I cut the pie... Not like I was going to serve it to seven people. I cut that big piece of pie. I sat down and I was going to watch the news and I began to eat that pie in a little bit. Oh my, 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 what I felt. Lavishly, I, I was covered with chocolate silk pie. And so when I begin to think about that's the way Jesus has covered us. He said lavishly. And that means He's given and given and given whatever our needs is. He's willing to give it. You know why? Because we are His kids. We are the children of God. Can you get that in your mind? Can you get that concept there? Because we are children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is because they didn't know Him. Dear friends, now, not next year, not in eternity, not some far off place. Now we are the children of God. And what we will be is not yet known. Now when I begin to think about what, what we'll be with is not yet known. You know, because I hear people say, well, when I get to heaven, I hope, I hope to have my hair back. 
I, I hope I'll look different. I hope, hope I'll have a, a better looking body. I, I want to tell you something. You know what? You're going, to have, you're going to have something that's so beautiful that you can't even imagine your life. You know why? Because the Bible says we're going to be like Him. We're going to be like Christ. You'll have a, you know, there's a song that says we'll have a new body. Praise the Lord. Have a new life. We're going to have a new body. And we're not going to have any sickness. We're not going to have any, any, anything to slow us down anymore. We're going to have a life that is filled, fulfilled. And that's what the Bible says. And so I asked the question this morning, who are you? Do you know who you are? Do you really know who you are this morning? If you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ in your life, then you are now a child of God. Can you imagine what it's like? You know, we used to talk about Rockefellers and all them. Now we can talk about the Trump family. My goodness, the money they have that rolls everywhere. What did I do? I shouldn't have mentioned Trump. He took the money away. But you know what? They have all this money. And people say, man, if I could just live like they live, if I could just have what they have. Let me tell you something, folks. If you know Jesus Christ, you have more than they have. We have everything at our hands, at our disposal. I want to tell you a story that you've probably heard before. That's all right. I like to tell them anyway, and I'll tell it again. And, and you know, some stories need to be told again and again. It's a story that is told, first was told by a seminary professor by the name of uh, Fred Craddock. Craddock told about uh, going back to... Uh, Tennessee. We got a sister over here, some from Cookville. I know some people in Cookville. I've been in Cookville, Tennessee. But you know what? He he went back to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and there for a short vacation with he and his wife. And he remembered being in that area years ago, and so he sought out this little restaurant, quaint, away from everybody else. It was just him and his wife. They wanted to spend some private time, a short vacation of three or four days together. They got to the restaurant and they sat down at the table and, and ordered their meal and they were sitting there enjoying their time together all alone. Because you see, he had been a professor, you know, in a college. And so he and his wife were spending time alone, but he noticed that as he, as he was waiting for the food, there was a, a very extinguished looking gray haired man that was moving from table to table. He was moving from table to table. He was talking to people. And Craddock said, I said to my wife, I sure hope that fellow don't come over here and interrupt our evening. Well, sure enough, in a little while he made his way over to the table. And he reached out his hand. And he said, where are you folks from? And Craddock said, well, we're from Oklahoma. He said, what do you do? He said, Place, fine place. He said, I've read a lot about it. Never been there, but he said, I heard it's a great place. Oklahoma, a great place. He said, but, but, but what do you do for a living? He said, well, he said, I'm a, I'm a professor teaching homiletics in a college. He said, oh, you teach preachers. He said, yeah, yes, sir. He said, well, about that time, the old fellow, he pulled up a chair and he sat down. He said, there went our privacy. He said, that, he said, as he pulled up that chair and he sat down, he said, I said to my wife, oh my, here comes another preacher story. That's all we need. We've, we've come over here from Oklahoma to get away from all of this and we sat down at this quaint little restaurant and this guy shows up. And the man stuck out his hand and he said, uh, I, I'm, I'm Ben Hopper. He said, I'm Ben Hopper. He said, uh, I was born not far from here. 
He said, when I was born in that little college, in the little cabin in the, in the mountains, he said, my mama wasn't married. And he said, you know, he said, I, I didn't have the privilege that all other children had because in that day, he said, you know, when I go to school and there was recess, nobody wanted to play with a kid that didn't have a father. And he said, when lunchtime came, he said, I, I would be all over there by myself and everybody else would be eating. And he said, it was a horrible thing. They had terrible names for me. He said, the names that they called me and the things they said about me, he said, it hurt. I was hurt deeply. He said, I, I was so upset. He said, all through my years in going to school. But he said, worse than that was. He said, on Saturday, my mom would come out of the mountains and we would go to town. And he said, when I'd go to town, he said, I'd walk down the street and it seemed like every eye in the city was looking at me and asking the question, who's your daddy? Whose boy is that? He says, as I walked along, he said, I just felt so terrible. I almost felt like I didn't want to go to town on Saturday because everybody was looking down on me. And he said, then he said, one day, he said they had a little church over there and he said, my school friends was talking about the new pastor that came. They liked him. Oh, he was a live wire. He told a lot of stories and they just had all the... And he said, I decided I was going to sneak over there and, and kind of see what was going on. But I knew my kind wouldn't be allowed in that church. So he said, I would wait until they get the service rail on the way. And he said, I'd slip up and I'd come out by the window and sometimes they'd leave the door open a little bit and I could stand in the edge. And he said, every once in a while, I'd actually step inside. He said, I was so enjoying that. And he said, one week, he said, I came and he was there preaching away and, and people were so intense in what he was saying. He said, I found myself slipping in. He said, I come in and he said, here come this guy behind me and said, son, you ought to sit down over there. He said, he moved me up about four or five pews and he said, he set me down. He said, normally when church came to an end and the preacher was about ready to quit, he said, he said, what I'd do, he said, I'd slip out. I'd get out of there before anybody knew I was there because my kind wasn't allowed in a place like that. And he said, I got sitting in that seat. I was so enthroned. He said, that preacher shut that service off just like that. And the people stood up and they started out. And I got caught. And he said, I just felt like I wanted to crawl under one of them pews. He said, I was standing there, and he said, I was shaking all over. He said, I was worried about somebody saying, what are you doing here? And he said, I got almost to the door. And all of a sudden, I felt a hand on my shoulder. Man, he said, I felt, felt that hand that was so heavy, and I looked up. He said, he was a real tall feller. He said, it was the preacher. And I thought, oh God, will I never get off on under this? Now the preacher's going to put me down. And the preacher looked down and he said, Son, whose son are you? Who's your daddy? And he said, pretty soon he said he looked down at me. And I looked up at him and all of a sudden, there was a big smile come on his face. He said, Son, I know your daddy. He said, man, that just made my heart race because I had never known who my daddy was. He said, I see the resemblance. I know whose son you are. Why, you're a son of God. Son, you are a son of God. And you need to just hold your head high and stand up straight and go out there. And he says, you live that life and God will bless you. 
He said, I told Dr. Craddock, said, this man said, those were the greatest words I ever heard in my life. Was when that man said, you are important. You are a son of God. He said, thank you folks. I hope you have a good evening together. He said, when he walked away from that table, Craddock said, I begin to think. You know, he said, the state of Tennessee elected a governor by the name of Ben Hopper two times who never, nobody ever knew who his daddy was. You know what? I begin to think about that. You know, that's what we are. We need to realize when people put us down, when people look at us and thump their nose in the ground and say, you ain't nobody, you're not worth anything, you're a nobody, you don't know anything, you don't know what to do, and you're just a fanatic. Let me tell you something. I always remind myself, it's not you that's telling me who I am. I know who I am. I've got a birthright. I know that I'm a child of God. And that's what's important. I know that when God is in control of my life, everything else will go all right. And I thought about that. As I look across this church this morning, I want to tell you something. I know who you are. I see some family resemblance. When I see people gather around as we did this morning with Cheryl and anoint and pray, I see a resemblance because Jesus said, when two or more are gathered together, He's in the midst. He said if we would pray for one another, if we would anoint one another, He would minister to the need. He said if they're lost, if they'll confess, I think he had saved. And I begin to look across this auditorium. Some of you, you are sons and you are daughters of God. Terrible things happen to people when they forget who they are. Terrible things happen to even saints of God when they forget who they are. You see, we need to realize who we are. If you're a child of God, remember, you're joint heirs with Jesus. Do you know what? Jesus is God's Son. That's a wonderful thing. But you know something? Gary Schwager's a child of God also. Jesus is my brother. Spiritually, I've come to know Him and He's my Savior. I want to tell you something. I'm in the family. You know what? You know one thing about? I'm in a Schwager family. No matter how much they despise me, no matter how much they talk against me, you know, they can't get rid of that. The fact of the matter is, I was born into that family and they got to accept me for who I am. You know what? We need to do that in the church. Do you know that God saves people from all ranks and all colors and all sizes and all shapes and all forms? And we want to change them. Let me tell you something. I believe with all my heart that when you come to know Christ that there's a difference. Remember those people who have gone before us. Remember those saints of God. I, I think about it every time I go out visiting and see some of your shut-ins and some of the old especially Sister Millie. I, I just love that gal to death. You know what? She tells a story about how that little old station wagon she had. And she would pick up all these girls and she'd haul them over to the church. Now, you know what? She can't come to church. And, and some of those folks have already changed over. They've already gone home to be with the family. They've, been de- they've departed this world and gone to heaven. But you know what? It's because of her willingness. It's because of her witness. It's because she prayed for them. It's because she gave transportation. It's because she helped them. Let me tell you something. This church is here today because of people like her. So I asked you this morning, what are we doing to help the family? 
What are we doing to help the family along? We remember those that have gone before as children. I've known many of them. This last week, you know, with this surgery, it's my wife. I've had calls from all over the country. And some of these people called me and said, Brother, 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 this is Sister So-and-so. I heard Sister Beverly had this surgery. And she said, Honey, I want you to know we're praying for her. Call her back and said, Thank you. You know, I got calls from Springfield, Ohio. I got calls from West Virginia. I got calls from Kentucky. I got calls from Ohio. I mean, everywhere. You know why? Because we're in the family. When the family joins together, there's something about it. And so Jesus is saying to us, He's lavished us. Now we are the children of God. We have not yet known what we're going to be, but we know that when He's appeared, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Saints of God are not perfect people in this world. Did you know that? Now I want to tell you, I know that. When I say perfect, I'm talking about there's some saints of God. You know, I went to a golf coach. Ed Dean, you went over there too. You done learned a few things, didn't you? I, you remember Brother Brumfield? Brother Brumfield, he was a great teacher of the Bible. But his whole life he had this big old hump on the back of his shoulder and walked. And I remember when I got to campus, I thought, who in the world is this guy? But the more I knew him, the more that I could appreciate him and the love that he had for God. He never felt he was second rate because of that. Let me tell you something. We are not perfect in this life. We're going to have problems as long as we're in the, We're going to have difficulty. But there's coming a day because I'm a child of God. I'm going to be like Him. All of this is going to pass away. I want to tell you something. Brother and Sister McCracken know what I'm talking about. You know, they've gone through some struggles. But I'm going to tell you something. One of these days, these struggles are all gone, my brother. And you're going to live in the glory and the presence of Almighty God, and you're going to walk as He walked. You see, we'll not be made, we're not perfect in this world, but the Bible says we will be made perfect. We will be made. You can't make yourself perfect. Only God can do that. He said you will be made perfect. And there is an inheritance, my friend, that, that has been promised to us. An inheritance that tells me, the Bible says the inheritance is to the person that's blind, you'll see again. To the person that's crippled and maimed, you'll walk again. To the person that's deaf in difficulty, when you get to heaven, you're going to have a perfect body. It is the promise. It's not mine, it's God's promise. Why is this true? For one reason. One reason and one reason only, and that is because we are children of God. That's what makes the difference. I thought about that, you know. So many times in this life we see people. There's a very exclusive auction held several years ago. And in that auction that they had, you know, they advertise it. And the money bid for some of the objects at that auction were far higher than you could have gone out and bought it in the most highest class store there was. I read this and I thought about it. You know, they said that, for example, there was a, a winning bid of a rocking chair valued between three and $5,000. That rocking chair at that auction brought $453,500. You say, that's crazy. Absolutely it is. We've got a lot of them crazy people around. This has been the case throughout four days of an auction. A used automobile worth $18,000 to $22,000 sold for $79,500. A set of green tumblers that you drink out of sold for about $500. They got $38,000 for them. 
A necklace worth $500 to $700 went for $211,500. Four days of auction on a common, ordinary value things were greatly inflated over price. Why? Why would that happen? I'll tell you why. Because, you see, it was the auction of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. You know why them things became so valuable? Because of the person who owned them. I heard that. I thought, goodness, that'll preach. I mean to tell you, when you begin to think of the God that we serve, think about that. If people will pay that price for something in this physical life, how much more will they give to the person that has been accepted Jesus Christ, has become a joint heir with Him, became a part of the royal king? Oh, my friend, I'm going to tell you something. That's what we need to realize today. We should be excited. We should not be in any way. You may appear to be ordinary people around us, to other people around us, but God sees you with great value. Enough value that He gave His only begotten Son for you and for me. It's the value that counts. Dean, come up here. Come up here. I I, want to show you. I want to try to make it down to earth for you. I got $10 left here from the hospital yesterday. Them folks up there, they charge big money for coffee. But, you know, it, it, is it real? You like it? Yeah. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want that $10? Yeah, it's real, right? Oh, yeah. You want it? Yeah. You sure you want it? No. You still take that $10? Yeah, that's dirty. You still take that $10? Yeah, take... No. Still take that $10? You know, you you know, you know, you know why? You know, right. you take that ten. Now, hang on to it a minute. I'm gonna tell you why I do that. You know why? No matter whether it's torn, wrinkled, dirty, walked under the feet, the reason he wants that ten dollars, because he knows it's still worth ten dollars no matter what condition it's in. That'll preach, brother. Hold on to this. Hold on to this. I want to tell you something. I don't care how wrinkled. I don't care how torn. I don't care how dirty. I don't care where you've been in life. I don't care what has ever happened to you. I want you to know that God has a value on you that nobody in this world can take away. You cannot demote yourself. God loves you that much. He gave His only begotten Son for you. And you, and you. And if you sit and thinking that you're not worth anything, Mom, I tell you, that's the devil. Tell him he's a liar. Ignore him. Throw him out. And accept Jesus Christ. Now, Dane, he's a retired preacher. And I know, I know that every retired preacher needs an extra $10. So I want you to know next week you come to church, you ain't getting $10. Go on down and sit down. I, I'm going to give you $10. I'm going to give you $10. But but let me tell you, let me tell you something. When I begin to think about this, no matter how dirty and trampled on and wrinkled you are, you may, in God's eye, you are the most valuable thing that He's ever created. And you know the amazing thing is, we are not up for auction. <laughs> we are not up for auction. The price was paid. There is no auction. God paid the price through His Son, Jesus. If you're a child of God, my friend, you've already been purchased by God. You've already been paid for. 
All you have to do is do what being harpered is. Go out of this place and live for God. And if you're not, then you need to get saved. You need to take a moment at that altar and say, God, I, I, I never realized how, how important I was to you. I, I, never, I always thought you would punish me for what I did. And God said, no, you know what, you don't do that with your children. I don't care what your children do, my friend. You never turn away from them. Had a fellow over in the state of Pennsylvania, had a boy who got in trouble. The boy ran with the wrong friends and ended up in the penitentiary. Up in the upper part of eastern Pennsylvania. This man had a little grocery store there in that town. And every Wednesday he closed that store down after his son was sentenced. He'd pack up every Wednesday morning and leave and drive four hours to that prison. He'd go to that prison and tell them that he wants to say, you see, when you're in prison, you're just a number. They don't care about your name. If I go to visit somebody in prison, I don't care how much I know their name, I better have their number. When you go there and he put up the number and they said, well, we'll send it down and we'll have that boy come and, and you wait in this waiting room. When he comes, we'll move you to the visiting room. I want you to know he came to see his son. His son was so embarrassed and so distraught over it, he wouldn't see him. So he'd get in his car drive back home. And very next Wednesday, he'd get in that car. He'd drive four hours one way and four hours back. Every week he did that for months and months and months. He was so upset. I don't know why my son doesn't want to see me. I don't know why my son won't talk to me. I don't know why. It had nothing to do with the father. It was the fact that the boy had messed his life up and was so guilty of it. He couldn't face anybody. But the amazing thing was, and I tell you this because I hope we never become like that. This man was so distraught and he, somebody come in the store and said, well, how did it go with your son? He said, he hadn't seen me. He won't talk to me. The fellow came to church. Several of the people asked him, well, how's it going? How, how's your son doing? He said, I don't know. He won't see me. He said, what do you mean? He said, I've been going up there for eight or nine weeks in a row. He said, he's never once been willing to, 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 to accept me to come in and talk with him. He wouldn't come out. And one lady said to him, I'll tell you what I would do. I'd just wipe him off of my list. I'd never make another trip like that. He said, I know, honey, but he's not your son, he's mine. Let me tell you something. When people say God ought to just wipe them off the list, God ought to just tear them out, let me tell you something. That's not the way it works with God. God created every one of us to become His children. And He prays and He seeks and He sends messages and He sends conviction. He sends the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to say, I love you. And I want to lavish you with that love. But you see so many times, we ignore it. Let me tell you something. God has a gift greater than any gift you could ever get. He has the gift of eternal life. Not just a little better life, not just a little bit of life, but eternal life. It starts here and now. The moment you come to know Him, it starts. Let me tell you, and I've said it over and over, and I'm going to quit, but I've said it over and over. When you read in that obituary and it says, Gary Swagger died, don't you believe a word of it. Brother, I've just moved on to a better land. 
I'll be as much alive, in fact, more alive than I am right now. Because you see, I'm a child of God. The Bible says, remember, you are a child of God. Never, never forget that. In the lowest moment, don't forget it. In the most troubling time, don't forget it. The one thing I want you to get imprinted in your mind, that no matter what happens, God died. His Son died for you. He wants you to be that child of His. And the only way it happens is when you come to Him and open repentance and say, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I'm sorry for not living for You sooner. But I want You to come into my heart and life. I want to know that I'm a part of the family of God. And then we can sing that song with Bill Gates. I'm so glad I belong to the family of God. It can happen to you in a matter of seconds. It's not long prayers. It's not telling everything. Let me tell you, you don't have to tell. God already knows. All you got to say is, I'm sorry. And He'll say, it's gone. Get up and go and live as children of God. Let's stand together. Father, this morning, you know the hearts and the lives of those that sit here. Lord, don't let them be a victim of identity theft. Don't let the devil who is roaring about throughout this earth and trying to seek and devour those, Lord, that are trying to live for You. Father, help them today to get a hold of You and allow Your Spirit to work in their hearts and lives. Father, for that one that may be here today, no matter how old or how young, if they have not that assurance that they're a child of God, let them have the power and the presence, Lord, today to make that commitment to You. Father, we pray this now in that mighty name of Jesus, the One who gave His life, that we might have life. Father, speak to hearts and lives right here this morning, and we'll give You the thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Will you come as we say? If you turn to page 103. 103. The love of God.